This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now here's your host, Jody Fisher. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the PR Podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. Well, have you checked us out on social media lately? You know, not only do we have the Facebook, the Twitters, and the uh, Instagrams, but we are also on TikTok. I'm kind of getting my arms around this. I know the TikTok is for the kids. My kids are all about the TikTok. Um, and I struggled with it <laughs> in the beginning, but I feel like I'm getting the hang of it. And I guess it's just one of those things where you got to do it and do it enough. Uh, and you get a little used to it. I'm, 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 there was probably still horribly boring videos. But anyway, we are on TikTok at the PR podcast. So check us out there. Give us your feedback. You know, we thrive on feedback. We thrive on understanding what you want to hear each week on this show. Um, I frequently say the show is not about me. It's about the guests. It's about the audience. Um, so we want to make sure that we're delivering the stuff to you that you find valuable, that you can sort of make part of your Monday morning commute when the when the episodes drop each week. Um, so give us that feedback. We thrive on it and, and let us know how we're doing and let us know if there's something interesting that you want to hear us talk about or if there's a guest that you want uh, us to talk to or if you want to be a guest uh, on the podcast, please let us know. You know, we have 52 shows, uh, 52 weeks in a year. That's 52 shows in a year you should be a guest. Uh, so we need guests. So please uh, come on and share your expertise with us. Speaking of great guests who have reached out to us, we've got a good one this week. Let's get right into it. Jonathan Sopranowitz is the director of communication for the Greenwich Public Schools in Connecticut, where he manages communication strategy and PR, as well as community relations issues. I bet there are a few of those in a school district, and he serves as a liaison to the Board of Education. He spent the bulk of his career so far as the vice president of public relations for the New York Knicks basketball team and led the PR strategy and response team there. Lots to talk about this week. Jonathan, welcome to the PR podcast. Uh, Jody, it's it's great to be here. I'm, I got to be honest with you. I'm I'm a fan of this podcast. I think it's it's great that PR people have a safe place to go where we could all kind of talk <laughs> shop, where we all understand the challenges that we all go through. It's it's a good place to be. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that, and I appreciate you being a listener. Um, let's talk about the elephant in the room. What's it like working with a huge sports team like the New York Knicks? Jody, it's 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 a challenge. It's always been a challenge. It was a challenge before I got there. It's a challenge after I left. Um, all eyes are upon you all the time, twenty four seven. So it's um, it's fun. It's exciting, but it, there are major challenges for for any PR person working in sports. There, it's one of those clients where they're in the paper every single day, right? I mean, there's something going on, even when there maybe isn't a game. There's there's beat writers at every single paper, and somebody's writing something about you. So how do you, maybe just looking at it from 30,000 feet, and then if you want to zoom in at, at your leisure, um, you know, how do you manage that flow of information? How do you manage that job on a day-to-day? -day? You know, it's funny, the, the way you put it, games are almost a way to calm things down like that's games are the only thing you can really control so for 25 years i worked in the nba i knew what my schedule was for the next 
10 months. I knew exactly where I was going to be, what time I'd be working, what city I was in, what arena I was in. Um, but it's the games are the constant. And that's what really are is the reason why you're there. You're, you're there because of the games, because fans want to see basketball at its highest level. Um, it's the off days. That's where the stories, where the tabloid newspapers, where the national media get going. And uh, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Yeah, I, I've definitely had a, a little bit of uh, a taste of sports PR when I was working for St. John's University. Mm. Um, and so even though I wasn't in the athletic department, there were many times where, you know, sports bled into the front end of the paper. Uh, whether people are doing good things or bad things or questionable things. And so, you know, you all, all have to get in a room and, and huddle. Um, you know, setting the, the crisis stuff aside for a minute, let's just talk about sort of other things that you might be working on in, in respect to PR when it comes to a sports team. What other kinds of stories are you working on? Sure, sure. You know, when it, when it comes to a team like the New York Knicks, there's always interest. They're, they're the fabric of New York City. You know, since 1946, people have always cared about the Knicks. So my job at the Knicks was totally different from like my counterpart with the Indiana Pacers or the Portland Trailblazers, where in small market teams, it's more about selling tickets, making sure your building is full, making sure your uh, TV ratings and radio ratings are as high as possible. When it comes to places like New York, LA, Chicago, the fans are always there. They'll always fill up the buildings. So it comes more of controlling the narrative, um, having the back of your players and your head coach and your owner and your general manager and making sure they're all on the same page and try to limit the distractions that comes with being a high-profile athlete. Um, you know, the Phoenix Suns have a lot different problems than the New York Knicks do in a much different way. And that's just the way, that's the nature of the beast. Are there certain things that you keep your eye on when you talk about controlling that narrative or, or guiding that narrative? Are there certain things you're sort of ticking off every day or maybe certain things you're paying attention to every day that are kind of rinse and repeatish? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, there's the old adage of, is the media biased? And we all had a saying is that the media is biased towards conflict. They love conflict, right? That's what sells newspapers. That's what tunes people in. That gets you clicks on the internet. So I always try to have my pulse on all the players, that means the actual basketball players, the coaches, everyone involved to make sure that we were all on the same page, you know, and, and it does not come easy for a lot of people, right? Players want to play, coaches want to coach. Um, maybe the public perception is not the first thing on their mind and they don't really understand what their actions will do publicly. Um, so, that was number one on my list, at least with the Knicks, number one priority, make sure we are all on the same page or at least make it look like we were all on the same page because that wasn't always the case. Yeah, perception definitely helps. Right? Yeah, for sure. Um, are, you, are you working directly with, I mean, there's so many people involved, right? Are mm -hmm. you working directly with 
um, coach or players? Are there middlemen that's going on? I mean, I know I'm looking at it through my own lens. Mm-hmm. I was always, especially when I was in-house, I was always most effective when I had a direct line to the CEO mm-hmm. or the leader or the organization, simply because, you know, time is always of the essence. Um, and, and when you hear an idea or you're trying to be proactive, um, when hearing it directly from the leadership is always better than getting it, you know, by a game of telephone. So in, talk a little bit about sort of the structure of the organization and how you worked. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, I don't know how to do it otherwise. If I didn't have the ear of the franchise's president or the star player in the locker room or the head coach, I, I don't know how I could have effectively done my job. Um, I can tell you a hundred examples where um, a, the team would be ready to make a trade. There's a trade on the table. You're in the 11th hour, ready to go. I'm writing my press release, getting the draft ready, getting my talking points all ready to go for everybody involved. And then I reach out to the other team that we're involved with. And the PR person says, we're making a trade? What? I didn't know that. And it, you know, it makes me sympathetic towards them because they, it seems like they don't have an ear at the table. Um, it made me feel good that at least I'm getting my counterpart in the loop which is very helpful for them. But I, I don't know how I could have done the job if I didn't have the ears of everybody involved. Have to, you have to be. Yeah, and you bring up a good point. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we kind of preach into the choir here, all us PR people, but yeah. um, if you want to be effective with PR, you've got to put PR at the table. Mm-hmm. You can't hold them at arm's length and then expect them to do a great job for you. Um, and, and I think that there is a huge misconception about PR people because we are always talking with reporters that we were, are always talking out of school and sharing information with reporters when in fact, we probably hold our cards as close to the vest as anybody. Of course, absolutely. You, you gotta have the trust of all the players involved. I keep using the word players. I don't mean actual basketball players. I mean, you know, the actors involved in this play here that you have to have their trust. And, and that comes with time and experience. And you have to share your knowledge with others. And you got to be right a lot of the times. If you're wrong, you're not looking good and, and you're going to lose that trust of, of the people involved. Yeah, that's such a great perspective. Um, were there things, and I'm not asking you to, to tell stories here, but were there types of things that kept you up at night in sports PR? I mean, were there th- other than like the, you know, the horrific accident or the thing you can't possibly predict, were there certain types of things that made you say, man, I hope that doesn't happen? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this. When, when I was in college and before I got a, uh, my life started in the NBA, Sleep and I were very close friends. Once I started the NBA, we, I didn't know him very well at all. I, there was, there's very little sleep involved when it comes to working professional sports. It, it really is a 24 seven, 365 day a year job. Um, I went to sleep thinking about the job. I woke up thinking about the job, what it's worth, you know, there's good and bad about it. Um, but it, there's constant change, there's constant action, there's never a dull day ever in professional sports. It just 
it doesn't exist. It just, and especially in a town like New York. And I've got to imagine that that becomes even more complicated with the with the advent of social media, which I'm guessing I, I know came up, you know, during my PR career, there was a mm-hmm. pre and a post social media world. I've got to imagine that in the sports world, God, that makes your job even more complicated. Yeah, yeah. Complicated is a good word because, you know, there's good and bad when it comes to social media, right? So, you know, I can get a and player. The good, and the good can become bad, in fact. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I could. Yeah, I have 100 stories of the bad, but I can come up with 100 stories about the good, about getting our messages across quicker. If a player has something to say that it's important and there's no media around, I can get it out and I could talk directly to the fan base. I could talk directly to other media that's maybe not on our side. There, there's, there's lots of um, great advantages. But yeah, when I started, social media didn't exist. Um, my first season, I worked with the New Jersey Nets. And that was 1992-93 season. So yeah, social media wasn't even a thought. Um, it, it pretty much started while I was with the Knicks, when it slowly started becoming apparent that our beat writers were using social media to get followers and get clicks and impress their editors of all the inf- great information they had. Um, so yeah, but if you think about it, a player like Carmelo Anthony, who we had on the Knicks for a long time, has got, I'm just guessing, 10 million followers on Twitter, where our beat writers had 10,000 followers on Twitter. So if Carmelo needed to get a message out, would he want to tell it to a writer where that writer is going to translate what he says? Or is it going to be a direct message to 10 million people around the world? And as social media has evolved over the last decade or so, um, that social media post actually has become part of writers' stories. They're embedded on websites. They're, they're reposted on uh, on social media feeds of those uh, sports writers and, and what have you. Um, so really um, using the, the platform that you described is the most effective way. But that's got to go back to, again, what you said before about having the trust, mm-hmm. you know, a guy like a Carmelo Anthony or someone else who's got that 10 million followers and that's, they've cultivated that as much as their game, perhaps. Sure. Um, in terms of they care about it, they care what they put out there. They've got to be able to trust you to, to use that platform properly. What's that conversation like? Yeah. Um, you know, just like in any walk of life, there's players are different. You know, you have guys that trust you guys that want to trust you, that it takes time to get that relationship going. Um, there are players that are pretty smart that know, oh, this guy Jonathan's been with the, in the league for the last 20 years. He must know what he's talking about, as opposed to some kid that's been in the league for two years. Um, but you have to show them that you know what you're talking about. You know, I I can't tell you how many times a player walked into my office, shut the door and said, Jonathan, what should I do here? You need to help me, you know? And sometimes that happens, but other times guys are on their own. They have their own group of people that they pay personally. They'll have their high school friend, their college friend, their mom, their sister, their brother, whoever it is who, um, 
may be the expert in their world. So um, yeah, and really, as we know in PR world, it all comes down to relationships. So can yeah. you gain their trust to know that you're, you want to help them to do what's best for them? Yeah, I remember, again, going back to my St. John's days, I remember Lou Carnesecca was very, was adamant about making sure that the, the as he said, the kids, right? Because they kind of, I mean, you're 18, 19, sure. 20 years old. Yeah. Um, but you're being treated like a pro star, right? You've got this spotlight on you. You've got, you know, presumably money that's getting thrown at you that you're not allowed to take under NCAA rules. Um, and, and you can develop, if you're not careful, a lot of, let's call them bad influences that want to hang around you and whisper in your ear. Sure. Um, that's also got to complicate your job when you're trying to put the best interests of the team the players, um, the owners, everybody in in um, in the right frame. Um, that that must be challenging as well. I'm sure you've had, again. I'm not asking you to tell any stories, but sort of addressing the topic of how you navigate that process. Sure. I mean, look. The reality is that when you are for a sports team, your paycheck gets signed by the owner, right? Amari Stoudemire is not signing my paycheck when I work for the Knicks. It's Jim Dolan, that's his signature on the bottom of my check. So reality is your loyalty will always be there, right? Because the owner's paying my rent and my mortgage and my electric bill. Um, but you really have to show people that you want what's best for everybody. And, and when you deal with multi-million dollar athletes and they're grown men, or as they would say, I'm a grown ass man, right? So you can't, sometimes you can't tell them what to do. My tact was always, if you do this, then this could happen, right? So instead of directing them and telling them exactly what to do, and I'd usually say, you can do one of three things. You could do A, you can do B, or you can do absolutely nothing. Now, sometimes nothing is the right choice, but most of the time it's probably not, but it's still a choice for you to do. And then hopefully they make the right choice. It's almost like raising your children, right? When they become teenagers or in their twenties, you can't, they're adults and you don't wanna tell them what to do, but you hope that you direct them the proper way, you would hope. Yeah, I'm I'm having those conversations right now sure. <laughs> <laughs> with my own kids. Yeah. So so let's now pivot into what you do for a living these days. Um, over to education. Um, mm -hmm. there've got to be some. I got to I got to imagine that there are some parallels. I mean, um, you know, just my perspective. And we were talking before we we hit the record button here. Um, education or the job of education, the education industry ain't what it was even three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it is a whole sure. different ball game. Um, and, and every parent out there knows what I'm talking about and what I'm referring to um, that are things that don't happen in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, could you address a little bit of how you bring your sports savvy over to the education realm? Sure. I, you know, I think it's more important than ever that superintendents, that uh, members of the Board of Education, principals get their messages out in a clear, concise way that stops people from translating what they think they mean 
to what it actually is. And um, so I've been in, in primary and secondary education for the last two years. And, you know, when I first got here, I was thinking, well, I'm a, I'm a pretty good writer. I know my grammar rules. I could write a press release. But now I'm dealing with educators. And they, I have a feeling they're probably better writers than I am. Um, they certainly have all these fancy degrees and doctorates, those things I don't have. But the thing I do have um, is the experience of communicating with people. And certainly I don't have the background in education. So if I don't understand what you're trying to tell parents, the parents can't possibly understand. That's a great um, perspective too, right? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I think I brought in a fresh perspective in this uh -huh. where I'm working now to, to like, hey, I don't get it. I don't, we got to clean this up. Like explain it to me and then let me put it in layman's terms. You know, I, so for, you know, as we all know, we've been dealing with COVID. So much of my time is COVID communications. I, I deal with our, our head of nursing. I mean, she is one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And she has experience beyond anyone's dreams dealing with children. And, and, and everything that comes along with disease. And it's just uh, amazing. And I try to make sure when I, when I, I talk with, with her three times a day, when we're getting messages out there, you gotta, you gotta make it clear, like mom and dad are just not understanding this. You know, if you don't make it clear, then all of a sudden you're gonna get 500 emails. Please explain this to me. Let, let's, you know, when it comes to PR, when you have to do an apology, right? Someone messes up and you have to do an apology, rule one, like do it once, apologize once, make it clear so you don't have to do it again. So I tell that to people around here all the time. Yeah, education, uh, and this is my phrase, has kind of become a full body contact sport. It really has. Uh, in the last couple of years, especially with everything that's been going on at Board of Education meetings and everything uh, that we, we've had to deal with like I said, that has nothing to do with uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Yeah, um, you, could, you could go onto YouTube and just put in Board of Ed meeting, and you yeah. could spend a whole day just putting your hand over your head and go, oh my gosh, is this really happening? These, these poor board members who are volunteers are dealing with this. Yeah, <laughs> they, they care about your community, and they care about your children's education. They're dealing with stuff that they shouldn't have to. Yeah, that is, that is frankly just abominable and and inexcusable. Yep. Um, I, but I, but I'm hearing parallels here too um, between sports and education in terms of the way you get your message out. Um, and and I'm I'm hearing a a, a word that I uh, rings in my head a lot of time, which is actionable. Right when I mm -hmm. get those communications home from my school district as a parent, you know sometimes it's it's three sentences. And I appreciate those. <laughs> Tell me what I need to know. Tell me what I need to do. If I need to be somewhere at a certain date and time, let me know that too. Done. Yep. And then there are others that are like missives. <laughs> and you're like, hold on. And you're looking for the bold and the underlined. And just tell me what I got to do. <laughs> what approach do you take? Yeah. So th this is something that um, the superintendent that I work for, this is, this was her plan all along is, that, you know, every Friday we send out a parent note. So all 
there's 8,500 students in our school district. Parents get a, a, a family note every Friday, 5.20 p.m. And the notes entail small paragraphs, just little notes. If you wanna know more, click on this link and you can get more details. But these are the important things. And we know that every mom and dad is sitting at the dining room table or sitting at the, on the couch with a glass of wine with their phone and just scrolling down. They just wanna know. So we try to be uh, quick, concise. Here's the important information. And if you wanna know more, this is where you go. You can read a little bit more. That's smart. That's, that sounds like a pitch letter to me. <laughs> <laughs> just tell me tell me what i gotta know and if i want to get more i'll go there absolutely absolutely so so i guess um maybe a little bit of advice here as we close this conversation out you know mm -hmm. the parallels between the sports and the education world um what are the things that you keep in mind every day when you do your job when you're communicating home i mean clearly it's it's making sure you're sending clear messages are there other things yeah you know things that happen behind the scenes in school districts, you'd be surprised. There's so many players involved, right? And everyone has a boss. You have a boss, I have a boss. Owners have bosses, superintendents have bosses, board members have bosses. So you always have to make sure that your, your boss is happy. That's number one, and no matter what business you're in, you have to make sure your boss is happy and you always have to protect them. Right. My job is to not only make her happy, but to protect her and make sure that her messages are exactly what we've been talking about. And we don't offend people and we try to include everyone, be as inclusive as possible. Um, yeah, there's so, there's so, in every business, there's so much going on behind the scenes that the layman wouldn't possibly know. All they see is the finished product out there and they can com complain, they can be happy about the French product, whatever it is, but to get to that point, it, it's a huge journey, huge journey. Well, this has been a great conversation and I appreciate you taking some time to, to help us uh, pull back the curtain a little bit. Yeah. Um, we, are gonna, we are gonna segue now into the rapid fire question portion of our podcast. Since you're a listener, you know it's what's my favorite. coming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. So I don't even have to explain it here. Let's jump right in. Rapid fire right question in. number one, Jonathan, what's your favorite news source? Yeah, so my favorite news source is, is local media. I'm a big proponent in supporting local media. I am uh, a subscriber to Westchester County's newspaper, LOHUD. I'm a subscriber to the Greenwich Time in Greenwich, Connecticut. I think... Um, I think they need our help. They need everyone's help. And they have so much information that we all can use. I, I mean, I go to ESPN.com like everybody else does. But when it comes to what really is going to affect my life, it's that local media. And I think we all need them. And it would be a shame if they go away. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've said many times that we all, as PR people, we have a vested interest uh, in making sure that these outlets stick around because that's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep, but sure. also I, I just think, I think you got to pay you, you get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. And yep. if you don't want to pay for news, you're going to get not great news. You're going to get the bottom feeder junk. Absolutely. Um, I think everybody should have at least one new subscription. 
Absolutely. All right, great. So there's the favorite news source. On to number two, rapid fire question. Number two, what's your favorite social media platform? I think um, one, one of your past guests, a common friend of ours, David Robbins, had talked about Twitter because that's where the news people go. Reporters go to Twitter. So that's my number one. First thing in the morning, I'm looking at my Twitter feed. So I'm looking at the local news. I'm looking at national news. I'm seeing what's going on in the NBA and the MLB in education. Um, so Twitter by far is my number one place to go. And that right. leads me to the local news. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rapid fire question number three, coffee or alcohol? <laughs> tell you this I, I traveled in the nba for over 20 years so i'm in hotels sometimes i don't know what hotel i'm in what city i'm in depending on how long the road trip is so um you always have your travel buddies with you you know the other staff members that you hang out with so one of my good friends um was a scout and we would first thing in the morning 7 a.m meet in the lobby of the hotel go find a good cup of coffee and the first thing we do is ask the doorman, where can I get a good cup of coffee? Not named Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, no offense. I love those places, but I want a local coffee place where they roast their own beans, something flavorful, something I can really grab onto and then keep going back every year because I go to the same cities every year. I want my favorite spots. Oh, that's great. All right, that's gonna give rise to a, a subsection here. Do you have a favorite in a particular city? Do you have one that knock your socks off? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you've ever gone to Saratoga Springs in upstate New York, the Knicks held training camp there for three years, I think. There's a place called Uncommon Grounds. That was my 7 a.m. stop on Main Street and right on Broadway in Saratoga Springs. It's just, it's the fall, it's beautiful weather. You're sitting outside by yourself. There's almost nobody there. And you're just kind of going through your day. What, what day you're gonna see ahead of, of yourself. And you just have that great cup of coffee. What, one of the things I wanna, I wanna bring up about alcohol, and this didn't happen all that long ago. There was a time in the press room after NBA games, you would give writers beer. You would put beer out on the counter cans you know three six packs or whatever a case and writers would sit there write their stories and booze up i to think about that now it's just <laughs> like it's not something you would do but when i first started i could you know you would these guys would get all juiced up to write their story oh, and that's then they funny. That's funny. in new york it's great because they would take the subway home or the bus or take a cab but on these small cities they're jumping behind a wheel and going yeah. home wow at two in the morning. Okay, I'm sorry. I the things that don't happen anymore. <laughs> Ooh, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> All right, rapid fire question number four. What's your favorite on the run food? Grace papaya in Manhattan on 72nd Street. It started off me and uh, my good friend, Alex Kim, who worked game nights. We would go, I would drive him home to the Upper West Side and we stop off at Grace, usually only after a win. Okay, after a win, let's go celebrate, go have two dogs and a papaya drink. And then it was like, oh, you know, it's bad loss. I, I, I got to have two, two dogs and a papaya. And then it was every game, 41 home games. That's 82 hot dogs and 41 papaya drinks. There you go. 
<laughs> I remember grace for pie. Absolutely. All right. Rapid fire question. Number five, what do you want to be after you finish this career? You just started this second half of this career, but go ahead. Yeah. Joey, I, we got to play them one day at a time. I'm just happy to be here. I hope I can help the ball club. Just want to give it my best shot. And good Lord willing, this will work out. Sounds good. Well, we wish you a lot of luck, Jonathan. This has been a terrific conversation. Please let people know how they can find you online. Jody, like I told you before, you hit record button. I'm not hawking my wares, my services. Any PR, good PR person knows how to reach other good PR people. So if anyone wants to talk to me, they can figure it out. I know it. All right. Sounds good, Jonathan. <laughs> thank you so much for spending time with us. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The PR Podcast. And send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher on all the socials and on the web at JodyFisherPR.com. We'll see you next time on the PR Podcast. <laughs>